How many of you have ever made a promise to God? If you ever made God a promise, raise your hand. If you ever make God a promise? Now, this is not going to be one of those get down on you kind of things. But let me ask you this question. How many of you ever made a promise to God that you just weren't able or just didn't keep? We all have, haven't we? And we, and we did it, and we, our intentions were right. I mean, I've done it lots of times. I, you know, I, before I understood grace the way I'm starting to, my whole life as a teenager, I made God promises about things I would never do again that I did the next week. Anybody else do that? Because you were afraid if you went to sleep without telling him that, you might go to hell in the night, you know? So, God, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. And then... You find yourself praying that prayer and you're like, I wonder if God is, if he ever gets tired of hearing me lie. Fortunately, the answer to that is no, he does not get tired of hearing you lie. And he understands sometimes why you say the things you do in a various state of maturity. But let me ask you another question. How many of you has God made a promise to you? Is anybody here that God ever made you a promise? Let me see your hands. Has God made you a promise? How many of you that God made you a promise, has that promise come to pass? Amen? But let's be real honest. How many of you have heard a word from the Lord, a promise he's given you, and it has not come to pass yet? See, that happens too, doesn't it? Does it mean that it won't? No, if God made a promise, when God does not lie, God does not change. God is the same always, yesterday, today, forever. God is the same. If God ever made you a promise, the reason that that has not come to pass is because it is not time yet, but not because it won't. Today, I just want to tell you a story. I don't have, like normally, I don't have points. There'll be a few things that'll come up on the screen just because they're things that you might be interested in visually seeing or writing down, but there's no actual points today. There's no humorous stories unless they just pop up in my head like they do sometimes because of my ADD, but... If that doesn't happen, all I'm going to do is tell you a story. It's a story about a family who got off to a late start per what we would call normal. It's a story about a man named Abram and Sarai. You said that's not her name. Yeah, it was. I want you to understand that a lot of times people in the Bible, their names meant something that's not like today. We we um, we try to name our children, perhaps based on what the Lord tells us to. But but more today, it's a cultural thing. Whoever can come up with the coolest, neatest, differentest thing is what they name their kids. A lot of people in Scripture have names that define their character for some reason or another. 
the two in our story today had names. And these were the names that they were known by. But these were not the names that God had picked for them. The name Abram meant high father. The name Sarai meant diminutive. Do you know what that means? Dominator and controller. This was their lives. Going through life, high father with no children. And controller. Walking through life. In their case, for 75 and 65 years. Abram's a good man. Sarai is a good woman. Very well respected. The Lord's blessed them. They are, uh, they, the Lord has blessed them with many, many material possessions with, with, uh, a, a, with, with, I started to say popularity. I'm not so sure that's the best word, but with their peers, they were very, they were popular. People liked them, knew them. They're well known. They're good folks. They're the kind of folks that we go to church with every week. They mean well. They're doing well. They're good examples. They've lived good lives for 75 and 65 years. They've had good lives. They just don't have any children. But they have good lives. Sometimes the name that you're going by is not the one God picked for you. Would you let that get into your head for a minute before I go any further? The name you're going by. The name you're being called or perhaps the name that you've decided fits you. Is not the name that God picked for you. In Genesis chapter 12. Starting in verse one, I'm not going to read this to you, but I'm going to I want to tell the story and I'm going to stay close to Scripture. So if you say that's not how that reads, that's because I'm just looking at these verses and telling you what they're saying. The Lord said to Abram. Leave your land, your relatives, your father's home and go to the land I will show you. Hadn't even shown you yet. Leave everything you're familiar with, everything that you're secure in, everything you like, everything you're good with. This place where you've been so blessed and had such a great life. This place where you've become settled and pretty comfortable, pretty secure. Leave this place and go to a place that I'm not, I hadn't even told you yet, but I'm going to tell you. At 75 and 65, leave all this. And if you'll do that, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless everybody that curses you. And I'll curse everybody who curses you. And through you, every family on earth will be blessed. Wow. So what did Abram do? 
he did what God said. He left and even took Lot with him. He's 75 years old when this happened. It's interesting to note that at 75 and 65, these two are about to embark on the potential that God saw in them. Just now. They are just now getting ready to do what God had picked for their life. Up to now, up to now, they've been doing well. They've been serving God. They've been doing well, but they've been doing their own life. But now they're getting ready at 75 and 65 to do what God has picked for them. If you look at chapter 15, it says later. Sometime later, the Lord speaks to Abram again, this time in a vision. He says, Abram, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. You're going to be very great. And Abram asked, well, almighty Lord, what are you going to give me? I'm, I'm about to die. I don't even have any children. Eliezer of Damascus, who is my servant, is the one that's in line to inherit my household because I don't even have any kids. I, I'm getting to be an old man and I'm not going to be here long. And I don't have anybody to leave this to. I'm going to have to leave it to one of my servants. And suddenly the Lord spoke his word to Abram again. And he said, this man will not be your heir. Listen to this. Your own son will be your heir. The promise I'm going to give you is what is going to be your heir. Your own son will be your heir. And he took Abram outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars. Can you count the stars? He said, no. Well, he said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. That's pretty impossible to believe. At now more than 75, because he left Haran at 75 and the scripture says later. So now we've gone a while and. Still, the promise hadn't come to pass and there's no children. and There's nobody to leave this to. And now God is saying you're going to have so many descendants from your own son that you won't be able to count them like the stars. And look what Abram does. He believed the Lord. Wow. And the Lord regarded that faith to be his approval of Abram. So this is good. You still with me? Wave at me. You still with me? Like, yeah, this is interesting. Let's make a movie. So, in chapter 16, Sarai, Abram's wife, controller, high father's wife, was not able to have children. But she had a servant named Hagar. So she said to her husband, the Lord has kept me. God is to be blamed for this. The Lord has kept me from having children. Why don't you have a child with my servant? Listen to these words. Listen to what she says. Maybe, because this is what we've said from time to time. Maybe I can build a family through her. Maybe I can build this. Maybe I can do this. I know you got that promise. I know you heard that word. But here we are now, Abram, and we're up in years and neither one of us are going to have any children. And maybe I can get this done for God. This is my nature, she says. 
This is how I roll. Maybe I can do this. Abram been with her for a long time. The scripture doesn't say that. I'm putting this in. But because he's been with her a long time and knows she can really get things done, he agrees with her. You know, you might really could. Seen what you've done in the past. Maybe you can build a family through her. So Abram is 86 years old when Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. That's what God does. He hears. He understands. And he responds in your times of need in mercy. Times like these where the promise God gave you has not yet come to pass. And you've been doing everything you can to make it happen. And then God hears and sees. And responds in your time of need. Now God had given Abram a promise. But Abram felt that there was a need to speed things up for God. Maybe God needed a little help. Have you ever felt that way? I'm going to be honest and say I have. I hear what you told me, Lord. It's not happening fast enough. I know you're going to do this. I'm going to try to help you get this done. Do what you can do up there, Lord. And on this end, I'll do what I can between the two of us. We'll get this done. There's nobody else that thinks like me. Maybe God just needed a help. So... Now at the age of 86, Abram has a son. This son is the result of God hearing and allowing Abram to have what he thinks he wants. You hear that? God will do that for you too. God will let you have what you think you want. But when you pick your plans over his promise, you get what you get. It's still a blessing, but I want you to understand something. This is what the Lord is showing us through this word. When you pick your plans over his blessing, that comes with a lot of baggage and hurt and dysfunction. He will let you have Ishmael. And Ishmael is not a bad thing. Understand that. Because some of you in this room have Ishmael. Some of you in this room pushed You kept on, you tried until you got Ishmael. And Ishmael is not a bad thing. It's just that Ishmael will cause you to have some hurt and some conflict and some baggage that you didn't have to have. What do I mean by that? Chapter 16, verse 11, God cares about Ishmael. He does. It's not that Ishmael is some curse. There's some people today that say, well, Ishmael is the reason why ISIS is around today. But that's not true. You can't directly track that back. You can't just take that and 
there, there's people in ISIS that are that are from all over the world and from different backgrounds. They're not you can't track everything back. And the reason I say that is because God does not curse Ishmael. God blesses Ishmael. How many of us, when we were about to have babies, did angels come to? But Hagar was visited by an angel before she gives birth to Ishmael. The messenger of the Lord came to her and said, you're pregnant, you're going to give birth to a son. You'll name him Ishmael, which means God hears, because God has heard your cry of distress. But... Ishmael will be free and wild as an untamed donkey. He'll fight with everyone and everybody will fight with him. He'll have conflicts with all of his relatives. You say, well, that's why I was saying it's ISIS. Don't try so hard. Don't try so hard. Do damage to context. Try to make something mean what you want it to. It's simply telling us. What's going to happen with Ishmael's life? Is Ishmael blessed? Yes, God, I'm going to show you. God, God says he's blessed. But, Dad, he's saying, get ready, Dad. This is not Isaac. This is Ishmael. This is what you wanted. What you wanted is, I'll let you have and I'll bless it in any way. But, going to be wild. Going to be untamed. There's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some baggage. I know it's true because I looked all the way to the summary of Ishmael's life in Genesis chapter 25, verse 17. It says, Ishmael lived 137 years, took his last breath and died, joined his ancestors in death. This is God's word translation. His descendants lived as nomads from the region of Havilah to, to Shur, which is in Egypt in the, in the direction of Assyria. And the last thing that it says there is they all fought with each other. This is what happens when you try to get ahead of God's promise for your life. Ishmael was the arrangement of man. Isaac was the promise of God. Ishmael was loved by his father, but I want you to think about the grief that it brought him. After Ishmael was born, he loved him, and he got to spend 14 years with Ishmael in his life. But then came that day that, that Isaac was born, and Mama got to fighting. And Sarai says, that son has got to go. How much grief does it cause a father who has spent 14 years with his son, loving him and investing in him, to now have to hand him a bottle of water and send him out in the wilderness, not know if he's going to live or die? But he's got to do it because controller said, Hi, father, better get it done. Because if not, this household is not going to be good. If you study through that, you read it for yourself. I tried to find, I tried to find the homecoming. I tried to find where Ishmael came back. I don't see Ishmael back anymore or mentioned until Abram's death. Ishmael is there with Isaac to bury their father. Ishmael was a blessing to his daddy, but his daddy didn't get to be a part of his life after he was 14. God said some awesome things about Ishmael. 
I want you to look at a timeline real quick. At age 75, the scripture says that Abram believes, receives a promise from God, and is approved by God. So far, so good. At 86, Abram gets ahead of God, and Ishmael is born. At 99, Abram hears from God again. I want you to hear something. Be encouraged. Those of you that are like, well, man, I understand what's been going on now. I got Ishmael. Is the rest of my life going to is the rest of my life going to be like this? Listen to this. 86 Ishmael is born. 13 years go by. Until he's 99 and he hears from God again. I want you to understand this statement just because he got ahead of God doesn't mean God can't still fulfill his promise. And complete his perfect will in Abram's life. I've heard people say it before. I got out of God's will back in such and such. And because of that I messed my life up so bad. God will never be able to do in me what he called me to do. That is wrong according to this. I heard a guy say one time. I'm doing what I can. But I'll never be able to fulfill God's perfect will for my life. Because I made a mistake when I was younger. Like that's not true. You're saying that God can't fulfill his promise. Because of something you did. That your actions are stronger than God's promise? The word says that even if you messed around and have Ishmael, you can still hear and receive the promise from God. Isn't that an awesome word? We can stop there, but we won't. Let's keep going. So in 17, chapter 17, Abram is 99 years old. The Lord appears to him and he says, Abram, I'm God Almighty. Live in my presence with integrity and I will give you my promise. I will give you many descendants. Immediately, Abram bows with his face touching the ground and God spoke to him again in verse 4. You ought to mark it, 17 and 4. All of those of you who think you've gone so far that you can't ever get back in the perfect will of God, that God can't do what he promised you he was going to do. Here it is for you. Verse 4. My promise is still with you. You will become the father of many nations. I haven't changed my mind. I haven't forgotten what I told you. And something amazing happens. Abram and Sarahi have spent the last 15, 14, 15 years trying to mess up what God had promised. They've spent all this time trying to get in the way and make something be what was not. And even after they've jacked up everything, God still has a plan for their lives. I think it's interesting to note, he's not angry with them here like we think he is. Oh, God, I messed up. I know you're angry with me. I'll never, you know, anybody like, anybody like you, when I was a kid, I knew I was called to preach. I knew I was called to preach at 12. Preached my first sermon at 19, and by the time I was 20, I was living like a hellion. After I had preached, watched people respond in the altars, knew that the call was on my life, felt the anointing, all those things, turn and run from the call on my life and was just living like, I don't know what to tell you.
And yet I thought that God would be have to be angry with me. Surely, surely he was going to just throw me in jail or hell or or I, something. I mean, I, I had to, something had to happen. I certainly at the point I was at, I certainly wasn't going to be able to do what he would called me to do. I mean, that was had to be out of the question. There's nowhere you could get from where I was to where he had told me I was going to be. God wasn't angry with them. He didn't write them off as failures. He didn't say like we do so many times. Well, that's what they get. You ever done that? Something happens in somebody's life. You say they should have known better. They did know better. That's what they get. He knew better than that. She knew not to do that. They've been in Sunday school. They had that coming. Live with that. You ever done that? People like that ever become the subject of your prayer requests? Basically, they were just gossip sessions. Did you see what so-and-so did? We all feel sorry for her, don't we? But that's what she gets. Let's pray for her. Maybe God will forgive her because we won't. Maybe God will still love her because we're done. Right? Here's God. Look what he calls them. He calls them as he sees them. It is after all of this that he calls them by the names he picked for them. They've been going by Abram and Sarahi all this time. High father and controller. After everything that God promised and all the mistakes they've made and all the messes they've made and all the ways they've messed up, then God says, hey, by the way, let me tell you what I think about you. From now on, Abram, you'll be Abraham, the father of multitudes. And Sarah, you're not the controller anymore. From now on, you're the princess. Wow. How would you like to become who God says you are instead of who you think you are or who people see you to be. This didn't happen at the beginning of the promise. This happened way after they tried to mess the promise up. And then Abraham says to God after he's had his name changed, well, this is awesome and I feel so much better and this is great, but why not let Ishmael be my heir? He says that after his name's changed. Because there's still no Isaac. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you for, for giving me a new name. Thank you for the promise. I'm good with all that. But, Lord, you know what? We have, I, we have Ishmael here. And, and, and all we got, why not let him be the heir? Uh, let's just get on with this. Then he can come home. It's a daddy. It's a daddy saying, I want Ishmael to come home. I want, let, let, let's, let, let's let this be Ishmael. God said, this is, this is what you need to hear now. God said, no. Your wife, Sarah, she's going to give you a son. And you're going to name him Isaac. Isaac means he laughs. I'll tell you in a minute what that means. He says, I- I'm going to make an everlasting promise to him and his descendants. Now, I've heard your request about Ishmael. Verse 20, and I will bless him and I'm going to make him fertile and I'm going to increase the number of his descendants. He's going to be the father of 12 princes and I'll make him a great nation. 
That's what I'm going to do for Ishmael. Because I have mercy for Ishmael. And I love Ishmael too. And it was not Ishmael's fault that you guys did this. Ishmael isn't the one to be punished for what you guys did. So I'm going to take care of Ishmael. I've already protected Ishmael and saved his life in the wilderness. I'm going to take care of Ishmael. That's not going to be a problem. But in verse 21, I will make my promise to Isaac. And Sarah will give birth to him this time next year. I gave you a timeline, 75, 86, 99. And at the ripe young age of 100, God gives the promise to Abraham, not Abram. Ishmael means God will hear. He understands. He puts up with our doubts and our fears and even our attempts at running ahead of him. But Isaac means laughter, real joy that comes from receiving the promise of God, not the results of man's plans. Real joy comes from the promise. Hmm. So we look, we, we, we look on ahead at Abraham's death. Who does he leave everything to? He leaves everything to Isaac, not to Ishmael. Ishmael's the firstborn, but he's the firstborn of his own making. He's not who the inheritance is to be left to. The inheritance is to be left to the promise that God gave. This is getting to somebody. Some of you are like, man, what are you talking about? Some of you are way ahead of me. What's the gist of the story? Well, you probably already know that if you keep being impatient and if you keep trying to control everything and if you keep looking at things in the natural, you're going to get Ishmael. You keep pushing, you're going to get it. Some of you already have. That's not a bad thing. It doesn't even mean that God's not going to give you the promise. In fact, he still is because he hadn't changed his mind. It just means that you're going to walk through this life with some extra baggage and a few burdens and some conflict and perhaps some worry that you didn't have to have. That's what you chose. Still can be blessed. God can still do the work. God can still change the name. God can still fulfill the promise. God still will fulfill the promise. Ishmael doesn't disqualify you from God's presence or his promise or his plan. Don't go home and start trying to throw Ishmael out to the wilderness. Whatever that means. Ishmael will bring you a certain amount of happiness and blessing because God is merciful. But my point is this. Why don't we just slow down and believe God and wait for the promise? Will we have enough intelligence to learn from this story or will we repeat it? Wait for Isaac. God gave me this word as it relates to a promise that he gave to me 25 years ago. God made me a promise 25 years ago that has not yet come to pass. Recently, I've been trying to help him get that done. 
recently I've been trying to help him speed things along because I've said some things to him like, Lord, you made this promise and I want to see it from here, not from there. And I've started trying, I've been, I'm just telling you all the truth. I'm being honest with you. According to that particular promise that was given to me, I started trying to reach out and make that happen in various ways. It's in my nature. It's my personality. That doesn't make me right or wrong. It's just how I'm hardwired. I'm not the guy that just sits back and waits for things to happen. I'm the one that says, give me the ball. Where do you want a new door? I'm the guy that drives Deb nuts every time it's time to move furniture because I don't worry. If there's not a door there, we'll make one. You want the refrigerator where when we're done? I'll get it there. Yes, but I don't want it to be busted up and dinged up and I don't want all the walls tore up and I don't... Put it on a dolly. Why put it on a dolly? By the time we put it on a dolly, I will have carried it there. Bam, 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 bam. Is that where you wanted it? Clean everything up. I'm going to the next task. So can you imagine when God gives me a promise that's been 25 years in the making? He's given me lots of other promises and I've seen them come to pass. This one hadn't come to pass. So I'm like, okay, God, hey, you know what? 25 years has gone by and I'm 25 years older than I was when you made me that promise. So I want to see this. So I guess I better jump in here and try to help you get this done. It was in that frame of mind about two weeks ago that the Holy Spirit just spoke to me one day. He didn't give me this whole message. This whole message came after he gave me this word. And then I went and researched all this and and he gave me the story. But here, here's all he really said to me in the midst of that situation. I was in the midst of trying to make all this work and I was praying, I was going, I was just getting it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and he said, If you keep pushing, you're going to get Ishmael. Just like that. If you keep pushing, you're going to get Ishmael. I'm like, ooh. And I knew right away what that meant. I knew the story. He said, you get Ishmael, you may not like what you got. I'm going to let you have it, he said. If you keep on, I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to give you what you keep pushing for. But it may not be what you want. And I stopped and I said, okay, God, I'm done. I'm done. I'll leave it alone. What do you want me to do? And he said, I hadn't forgotten my promise. I just want you to blindly obey me. That's what he said. In blind faith, obey me. I said, wow, God, that takes a lot of pressure off of me. I just feel like a lot of weight lifted off my shoulders. You mean I don't have to keep trying to make this happen? And God reminded me of some things. He said, 25 years ago, I told you to do this, this, and this. And I said, yeah, and I've been trying to do that. He said, that's right. And he said, and I told you I was going to do this, this, and this. And I said, ooh, I've been trying to do that too. He said, no, 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 no. I told you do this and I'll do this. And you've been doing this some. Now you're trying to get over here and do mine. Just obey me. When I tell you to do something, do that. But quit trying to do other things that I don't tell you specifically to do. Because if you do, you're going to get what you don't want. 
it's a hard word to receive. Some of us are in a real struggle right now trying to make God's will happen in our lives. And we think that time is running out. And I want to tell you something I believe is a word from God. And I, I take that very seriously because every I told somebody just the other day, I said, I've been preaching all these years. And yet every Sunday morning, I am so nervous before I get in the pulpit. I don't I hope I never lose that nervousness. I'm so nervous every week before I get up here. Why is that? Because I said I am entrusted to stand up and tell people here's what God said. And I'll give an account for that someday. So I want to be very careful about telling people this is what the Lord said. You won't hear me very often saying, thus saith the Lord. If I say God said something, that's because I'm quite certain that he said that because I know I'm going to have to answer to him someday. Because how would you like to be the one stand for God? And you told people stuff and said God was doing it and it wasn't God. And it messed people up. God said, you lied and you used my name to do it. So what I'm about to tell you, I really believe. I say that in much fear and trembling. That's a word from God. Because I believe that this is a word that he that he gave me. So I will give you this word. You will live to see exactly what God wants you to see. And if God made you a promise. You're going to have to trust him with that promise. Whether you get to see it from here or there. That's tough, mom. That's tough, dad. That's tough to live with because, oh, how you pray and you want to see it here. You want to see it now. I'm telling you, you will see what God wants you to see. But if he promised you something, he will do it. Whether you're here or there, he will do it if he promised it. And you're going to have to be okay with that. I've been struggling with that one because I've been saying, I want to see it here. Lord, I want to see it there. And God said, it's not your choice. You may and you may not. It's not your choice. You're going to have to give me back. You're going to, I, prom, I made you a promise. I didn't tell you that you would get to see that. I just told you I was going to do it. I can live or die in the knowing that the promise is going to come to pass. And that's where you have to get to. Because if you keep pushing. You're going to get something, but it's not the promise. I want to pray for you today because as hard as this word is for me to accept personally, I feel like that perhaps I'm still Abram. I don't know that I'm Abraham yet because when you become Abraham, things start happening. Maybe I'm still Abram. Maybe you're still Sarahi. God knows in his heart that you're the father of multitudes, and he knows in his heart that you're the princess. But right now, you're just high father strutting around without nothing, and your controller trying to see to it that he gets something. And in the midst of that, you're just going to wind up with Ishmael. How many of us can just acknowledge 
not for my sake. I don't, I don't need you to do anything to receive this word. But how many of you will acknowledge that this is your word today? I don't need, I don't need a response. I just want to know. I don't. I take that back. I don't have to know. Here's what, how I responded when the Lord gave me this word. I didn't cry. I didn't go to an altar. I was in the middle of a day. You know what I did when he told me that? I went, oh, wow, God, you're right. And it changed me. You know, sometimes you think certain things have to happen in order for you to change. Sometimes God gives you a word and that's, and I don't, you don't have to do anything else with it. It's like, bam, got it. That to me was how that word was received. I didn't have to get down to the altar that time. There's times where I do. I'm like, I got to get down to the altar. But that day it was just like God said, I'm like, yep, you're right. That's exactly right. Okay, God, I'm in my mind and in my spirit. See this. I am backing away from trying to, to force this thing. And I am throwing up my hands and saying, I am going to blindly obey you. I'm done forcing this. For me, that was the response. That may be yours. For others, you may be saying, you know, that that is my response, but I really want to push this. I, I just really want to get down on my knees. I want to tell the Lord I'm sorry. Because that's my way, Pastor. Your way is to say, okay, done, move on. My way is to, I want to spend some time on my knees and tell the Lord I'm sorry. And I want to ask him, where do we go from here? So Neil's going to lead us. As he does, this place is a house of prayer. And you can sit there and reflect on the word. Or you can come down to the altar. You can kneel where you're at. Whatever that means to you, what, however you need to respond, I want you to know that this time is set aside for you to do that, to respond, however you need to respond, okay? But I do know that High Father and Controller are here today. And High Father and Controller are not always High father, the man, controller, the woman. Sometimes the roles are switched. You know, sir, whether you're a controller or not. You know, ma'am, whether you're the one strutting around about something that just is not. If you're ready, if you are ready to hear God call you who he says you are. Then take your hands off of his promise. Which do you prefer, God's promise or man's plans? Take your hands off of God's promise and just blindly obey him from this moment on. The promise is going to come to pass.